Welcome to the Sovereign Love Stream podcast with your hosts, Danny and Vanessa Panzella Velez. Join us and special expert guests as we discuss love, sex, parenting, psychedelics, and spirituality. Please subscribe now and join us bi-weekly on Sundays at SovereignLoveStream.com for our live video broadcast. Please check out our social media on censorship-free platforms like Minds.com, Float.app, and Odyssey.com. Find links to all of our social media at SovereignLoveStream.com. If you would like to support our show with an energy exchange, please visit us at Patreon.com slash SovereignLoveStream. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sovereign Love Stream. Hello, happy Sunday. Happy um, Sunday. I'm Vanessa, and this is Danny, and we are here this week to talk about individual responsibility in relationships. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like you don't know the topic? <laughs> I gave my responsibility over to you. <laughs> uh, well, take responsibility for yourself. <laughs> yes, this week we are talking about personal responsibility. Um, I guess uh, as anarchists, that that philosophy applies to all areas of our lives. But um, in a relationship, sometimes we forget that it applies there too. Yeah, <laughs> it's very easy to become codependent and then just kind of put all of your the weight of your feelings and. Um, yeah, specifically your feelings, I think, onto your partner. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I guess we're just going to get right into the topic. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot to cover. Yes. And, um, you know, but before we get into that, this is the ninth episode. We've been doing this show for nine weeks now. Oh, wow. It's. I feel like it's flown by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen, if this is your first time watching and you haven't seen the episodes, check out SovereignLoveStream.com and you can see all our past um, episodes. The archive is there and, you know, we've done some pretty cool Topics, episodes, yeah. I, I have to say. <laughs> um, as always, I want to just kind of preface the show by saying we do not claim to be experts or gurus or holier than thou in any way. Um, we're just sharing our experiences. Um, we've had some pretty hard times from some pretty tumultuous times. We've come very close to breaking up. Um, we've come very close to killing each other at times. <laughs> Um, and as we've struggled through this, we've come across a lot of really great solutions. Um, so we're just sharing those solutions that worked for us. We're not saying they'll definitely all work for you. I think, although we do try to, um, base most of the solutions in kind of universal principles of unconditional love and empathy that we do believe can apply pretty effectively to most people and most challenges. Um, but we're not saying that we have all the answers and we can fix the world's problems. We're or, just, or that we figured it all out. I mean, yeah, we're, we're still a work in progress. We're still learning and applying these techniques and um, some of the stuff that we're learning to our daily, you know, to our daily lives. We yeah. still struggle. We still make mistakes. We still repeat the same mistakes sometimes. Oh, yeah. And um, I think in some ways we're here to say it's always a work in progress. We're never going to get to a point where we're absolutely perfect. Um, although that's where we're trying to get to, or at least I trying to get, not to perfect, but yeah. to get to a point where we're not battling ourselves constantly. Um, 
And this is sort of a platform where we're opening up the conversation to any and all people who wish to join the conversation, share your own struggles or your own solutions. We're open to hear all of the um, advice that you guys have to share also. Sure. Uh, we do want it to become a space where we can talk about these things. Um, a lot of times it's hard as a couple to go through these things and you, you tend to think like, we're the only ones that are struggling. You see everybody else on social social media professing their love to their partners, but nobody ever really professes the difficult moments. Um, I think we tend to, in our social media posts, constantly talk about being on the, <laughs> on the brink of breaking up and <laughs> killing each other and coming back from that. And that just makes us appreciate a lot more um, our love and our relationship. So with that said, it's been years since we've wanted to break up. I mean, like, <laughs> We, we did go through a very dark period though, um, several years ago, where we weren't sure if we our relationship was going to survive. Um, it, it got dark, it got really dark. And what, what the, kind of like what's happening now, kind of like what's happening during the pandemic where all this darkness is kind of coming out and being exposed. And a lot of people are responding to it in a very negative way, it's very easy to get caught up in the darkness, right? Like the the challenges, the problems, to look at it, instead of looking at it as challenges, looking at them as problems. So right now the government is like cracking down, there's mass censorship, the, the um, maybe not just the government, it's kind of the government plus the, you know, big corporate structure of, of like social media and the corporate mainstream media kind of all working together to help censor and, and kind of control the population. And so it's easy to get discouraged um, because of all seeing all that happen. But at the same time, it's exposing a lot of these problems that more people now than ever can see how blatant the censorship has become, right? So if you can take that same principle and apply it to your relationship and say, okay, we're fighting about this issue so much. There's something that has to be healed here. There's a there's an underlying thing that needs to be healed, a trauma or a defense mechanism or something that's that when there's a challenge that arises, it's because something is being exposed that has to be healed and dealt with. Um, and then, then you can move past it. So, I mean, again, like Vanessa said, we're far from perfect, but we have healed some really major childhood traumas. For, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, go back and watch the archives because we've talked about them so many times. But oops, hi, hi, <laughs> hi from hello from Washington. Washington. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Patricia. <laughs> um, so I kind of lost my train of thought there, but <laughs> I think you get the point. <laughs> Yes, uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, we are excited to bring up these conversations. Um, as I was saying before, a lot of us tend to kind of suffer the relationship quietly and we're afraid to tell our friends about it. We're afra afraid that our friends are gonna judge us oh, or yeah. our family is gonna judge us. Um, and and not because our friends are horrible people, but just sometimes no. sometimes as a friend, you wanna be supportive and you're like, just dump him, forget it, just let go. I mean, there were times in our relationship that I deserved to be dumped and <laughs> it would not be surprising if your friends had told you, and I'm sure many of them did tell you that. Um, Luckily for all the problems that we had, we both had that um, 
their love undergirded it all. Yeah. So we wanted to improve. I was willing to make the improvements. So we've actually had this question asked before on the show, like, how do you know if it's time to break up or time to, or if, if you can still save the relationship? And I think that really is only a question that you and your partner can answer. My guideline would be, um, are you both willing to work on the problems? If you're both willing to work on the problems and you can step forward together, even if there's still struggle, even if there's still conflict, then yeah, I think you probably have a good chance of getting through it. Um, I think conflict is healthy. I mean, sure. um, my parents have been married for, uh, they're going to be 50 years this year. And I mean, now that we're adults, they speak a little bit more openly about some of their struggles. And I, I mean, it's not like they're major struggles, but just sometimes small disagreements and how they work through it. And I think it's amazing to see um, my parents, this couple that's been together for all of these years, still learning things about each other. And I think when we have these conflicts, we learn, we like uh, connect with each other on a deeper level. And the fact that we continue to have small conflicts and work through them, are, that love gets deeper and more connected. And I mean, so I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think that unfortunately we do live in a society where everything is supposed to be perfect and ideal and rainbows and butterflies. And that's and a lot of pressure to put on. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure to put on individuals, but it's a lot. It's it, the pressure is doubled when you put it on a relationship because now both of us are feeling this kind of pressure from society. What does our relationship look like on Facebook? <laughs> you know, <laughs> And it, it can stress us out individually. And then when you, when you're putting that stress into the relationship, it's a heavy weight. So what are some of our individual responsibilities in a relationship? Let's talk about um, that. Let's talk about that. Um, I think one of the biggest um, things that is important to recognize early on is that your happiness is your own responsibility, not your partner's responsibility. And that's a tough one. I think we have this habit of thinking like, oh, my partner pisses me off. He has to change yeah. because I need to be happy and well, we can't I change our partners. <laughs> I think it goes deeper than that. I think it's a subconscious need that we have. You know, we it's it's I feel like at, at this point it's accepted science that we choose our partners because we're trying to correct childhood wounds. So that's why we end up with people that are like our parents. Um and because we're trying to relive that drama again and and hopefully get the right response from our partner this time. Yeah. And as a proxy for our parents so we can heal that wound. But that's the backwards way to go about it. We really need to be looking at ourselves and think, how did we respond incorrectly to that wound? Rather than say, I need to replay this drama and my partner has to make the right decision so that I can be healed. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong. Um, I know we've referenced uh, these two books in the past, um, Nonviolent Communication and Getting the Love You Want. In Getting the Love You Want, um, they do have exercises where you and your partner can sort of role play some of these experiences from your childhood uh, to sort of uh, work through what you would have wanted to hear as the correct response or what type of support you would have wanted from your parent or caretaker, whoever it is, because it's not always your parent. It could just be a caretaker or family member that in some way or another uh, caused you to have a particular insecurity or a particular need that wasn't met at that at that point. Um, 
but it's super important to recognize that that trauma exists. Um, otherwise, we're just replaying, 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 and our partner has absolutely no idea what you're trying to replay. Half the time, they're confused. Like, why is he picking the same fight over and over again? I have no idea what's even happening right now. This seems totally out of the blue, but it's not. Um, I think a lot of us, like for me, I didn't realize I was trying to replay a, a drama with my mom with you. Yeah. You know, it took me years to figure that out. Um, but so if I don't realize it because I haven't looked at my own self, then how could I expect you to realize exactly. it or even or fix the problem? And I think that's that's probably the first responsibility of relationships. Look at yourself. Look at your own stuff do your own shadow work make sure that you are and that's not to say don't get into a relationship until you're a perfect human being that's never going to happen but when you get into a relationship and a conflict does arise and before you point the finger at somebody else look at yourself and right what's the scripture um take the, the speck take the log out of your own eye before you look at the speck in someone else's and really that is what you have to do with a relationship before you have that gut reaction of blaming her or him or them or whoever for triggering you, why am I being triggered? Why is this so upsetting to me? I think that's responsibility number one. Yeah. Right? And that's probably like the biggest responsibility. Yeah. It's like 90% of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we tend to, um, it's so funny. I was looking up an example a while ago uh, that I thought about this morning. And I thought it was really interesting because we tend to have these, um, we create these stories in our minds. And it's super important to recognize those stories um, once they start playing out. So this particular uh, example in the book, Nonviolent Communication, was talking about a woman who was trying to get her kids to do you know, whatever it is they have to do. And we have this idea that everybody plays a particular role and they have certain responsibilities and you can't deviate from that. And uh, he asked her like, what's an example? And she was like, well, me, I have to cook dinner every day. I've been cooking dinner for 20 years and I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I hate cooking dinner, but I do it because it's my job. Nobody's gonna eat if I don't cook dinner. And after they go through the workshop, um, she goes home and she, tells her kids that she's no longer cooking. And her kids wind up coming to a follow-up session and they, uh, he, uh, Marshall Rosenberg asked them, you know, how did that go? And they were both like, we were excited. Finally, she's gonna stop complaining at dinner time. <laughs> it's like, we'd rather just make our own dinner than have to hear her complain every day how much she hates cooking. And sometimes it's that, like imagine living out that scenario for 20 years complaining about having to cook dinner and her kids have no interest in that. Um, oh, that's so awesome, welcome. <laughs> So I think that it does require us looking within and, and recognizing the things we don't want to do, the patterns that we don't want to follow, and take a look at why we're doing that. Why are we spending our lives playing out scenarios that don't make us happy? And then resenting our family for not responding the way we want them to respond. Um, Jakob, I, I can totally understand, you know, absolutely. I think in some ways we all have PTSD from just life experiences and, and things that we go through. Um, negative experiences can always um, cause, you know, uh, on a spectrum, right? Some things are much more, obviously being in a war zone is a lot more traumatic than 
my mom not maybe paying as much attention to me as I would have liked her to, right? It's on, it's on a spectrum, but yeah, we can all empathize with PTSD and how those things can trigger us and make us have feelings that have nothing to do with what our partner is saying, but it just reminds us of something from the past. And, you know, our partner could say something totally, you know, just use a phrase like for me that maybe that my mom used and it triggers a response or, or an emotion from my childhood. And then I react like, <laughs> what, how could you say that? And she's like, what did I say? I didn't say anything. <laughs> um, yeah. And so instead of reacting, and that was really hard for me, I'm a very emotional person. And so I'm like knee jerk reactions is kind of like how I responded to things. It was very difficult. It still is very difficult for me to train myself to not respond, to just stop, observe what I'm feeling, right? She says something that triggers me. Okay, why am I getting so upset by that? That wasn't that bad of a comment. What's, what is it that's bothering me about that? Oh, that reminds me of when mom said that and it made me feel like that. Okay, so I'm not actually reacting to her. Then I can ask her to clarify what she meant, right? If I'm if it's if it's unclear. Did you mean to offend me? Like was was that where you were getting at? You know, and then we can stop the conflict before it starts. So in the past, like in the beginning of, of our relationship, we would have misunderstand. As a matter of fact, here's a perfect example of when we first started dating. <laughs> so when we first started dating, we had both just recently gotten separated, like within the year, right? So we start dating, we're going out, we're having a great time, we have great conversations, we have so much in common. Um, and I had asked her, oh, what are you doing this weekend? We were probably dating for like a month. And she was like, oh, I'm I'm going to be with my family this weekend. And, you know, I can't really introduce you to them because, you know, I just got separated and they don't know I'm dating and and whatever, whatever. I was like, oh, OK, cool. So in my mind, I'm like, she's not she can't get to the to the seriousness of a relationship yet where she introduces me to her parents. I can respect that. So I said, Oh, okay. I'm not really looking for anything that serious either or something to that effect. I don't remember the exact words. <laughs> she was like, it, she didn't say anything, but in her mind, she thought, well, let me not well, put words in her mouth. <laughs> you tell her. Well, what while he, he says he right now he remembers it as saying, I'm not looking for anything ser serious either. And it in my recollection, it was, I'm not looking for anything serious anyway. And I was like, oh. He's not looking to get to a serious place. Um, I'm just not ready there, but I want to work up to that. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, well, he's just looking for, I don't know, just casual dating or whatever. And I'm not interested in that. So I just completely ghosted on him. She ghosted. <laughs> and it wasn't until we like started dating two later. or three years later, <laughs> we got back together. Um, but... Yeah, so there's a there's a misunderstanding that could have ended the relationship, but obviously we were destined to be here. So otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. Um, That's kind of a comical, <laughs> you know. But that can happen in a lot of serious. The same kind of misunderstandings can happen in a lot of serious situations, where we used to get into brawls, screaming matches, <laughs> throwing things that could last for hours and sometimes days. That's how bad it was that we would be giving each other the silent treatment, or she would really want to give me the silent treatment because that's what how she did re respond to conflict was to withdraw. And me, I'm like engaging. I'm like, no, we have to discuss this all out now. We're going to deal with it right now. And I would just try to force her 
to come to the table and, and work it out. And I had to learn that, no, that's not fair either. You know, I have to respect the fact that she feels intimidated because I'm so hyped up and yeah, I mean. I have another clear example. Um, I feel a few years ago we were at an event and uh, we were leaving the event and one of the speakers um, what had traveled from another state and Danny was like, well, why don't you ask her if she wants to join us for drinks or something? And I think I went up to her and I was like, are you staying or are you leaving? I was like really nervous about it. I, I have like social anxiety at times. And um, she, she responded that she was going to stay and she was going to hang out with people at the event. And so I was like, all right, cool. So I left. And for me, that was out of my comfort zone going out to going to even ask her that. Um, and Danny said something like, you didn't even really try. <laughs> and, and it was, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal. He wasn't like yelling at me or reprimanding me for that. He just casually said, you didn't even really try and just kind of rolled his eyes. But growing up, I had extreme pressure from my parents, specifically my mom, was always very um, hard on us in terms of school. If, if I got a 98 on a test, it was like, well, you didn't really try because if you had studied enough, you would have gotten 100. If I got 100 and I didn't get the extra credit, well, what stopped you from getting the extra credit? Obviously, if you could study enough to get 100, you could study enough to get a 100 plus the extra credit. <laughs> And that extreme pressure growing up was so frustrating because I always felt like it's never good enough. I could get straight A's and I could feel like it was never good enough. And, you know, now I've resolved that issue with my mom where we've had the conversations and I know that it was her just trying to get me to do my very best always. And it wasn't about me not being good enough. She was always proud of me. She just kind of had this tendency to focus on how I could do better. And so that's exactly what was triggered in that moment when he said, well, you didn't really try. I was so angry. I was like, what do you mean I didn't try? I like exploded on him. And he was like, what happened? <laughs> but a few minutes later, I mean, we were on our way home and I was like, you know what it was? It triggered me. It triggered all of these things from my childhood of my mom telling me I wasn't doing enough. I hadn't tried hard enough. I didn't study enough. And that was the feeling I had. Like, it's never good enough. I can never be good enough. And to have that realization just kind of ended the argument right there. Because, of course, in that moment, me explaining that to you, you were like, oh, no, that's not what I meant. And, you know, he, he empathized with me and we were able to resolve the conflict. It wasn't a big deal. He wasn't yelling at me or telling me that I wasn't good enough. He simply is <laughs> just making a simple comment. But those tiny little comments can trigger these huge emotions. And if yeah. we're not paying attention, it can just evolve into a major conflict. Absolutely. I want to just say that in the comment section, I see some beautiful connections being made. I think that's awesome. This is part of what it's about. Um, people making connections and, and um, talking about their different experiences with PTSD and relationships and how they're getting over it. And I see some of our members are are empathizing offering with each help other. <laughs> to others and and saying you can contact them that's great thank you thank you everybody for for sharing your comments and for making those connections i think that's that's really beautiful and that's really what we wanted to to create to a create community yeah. where we can have these conversations and you know find our tribe yeah for sure 
And you know what's funny is that we've been, well, we're not heroes, we're just sharing, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, when, you, when you start to really delve into this and become more vulnerable about the things that trigger you and about your PTSD, you'll find out that so many other people are going through the exact same thing. And you will find your tribe because they'll be like, oh my God, that's, this is what I am experiencing. And, and you'll start to realize, I was at a client's house yesterday doing some work and, you know, I'm just a very open guy and I don't mind sharing these things. And so I, we were having a conversation and this guy that I was installing his flat panel TV on the wall and he's telling me, we both basically had a lot of the same challenges in childhood and a lot of the same insecurities grew up out of those. And then we started sharing book recommendations and I mean, it was like, I was like, oh, dude, we should just hang out. This is, <laughs> we're like so much on the same page. So when you just are open and vulnerable, you will find other people who can support you. And then you, you when you form those empathetic connections, I mean, that just builds community and it makes us all stronger. We can hold each other up. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we, like I was saying earlier, we tend to suffer quietly. Oh, it's just me. It's just an issue that I have. And like Danny said, being vulnerable allows other people to recognize that and say, wait a minute, I go through that also. And how do, how do you cope with it? Oh, I learned this coping mechanism. Oh, I learned this coping mechanism, or I'm working through it this way. Maybe we can try that, share stories, share experiences. And that's the beauty of it. I think we're all just struggling. We're all, you know, there's, there's a quote that says, we're all just walking each other home, you know, and that's, that's really what it is. We're all walking each other towards healing. And unfortunately we live in a society where we're kind of taught to keep it all quiet. Don't, you know, uh, don't air out your laundry. Don't let people know what you're going through. You have to keep up a, a front and, and make sure that people know that you're good and you don't need help. But um, that's even in this lonely, even in the spiritual community, I see a lot of that. Um, again, the mindfulness community, I see memes about that, like don't let people hurt you, like setting boundaries, setting boundaries is absolutely important. But when you're setting boundaries with you, you want to set boundaries with people that maybe aren't don't respect you, don't empathize with you, you know, certain things you can do that in a compassionate way. But when you set boundaries with your romantic partner or, I mean, obviously there are still boundaries, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, obviously <laughs> consent, things like that are all still boundaries, even within a relationship. I don't want to make it sound like I'm applying that, but I, I mean more emotional. When you're not vulnerable with people that you that you can trust, then you're not you're not able to experience love as fully and with the same amount of joy and depth. Um, that you can, yeah. When you're when you're truly I mean, vulnerable, we've we through the beginning of our relationship, we were obvious. I mean, we obviously fell in love with with each other, and um, and we had that connection from the very beginning. But the deeper we got into our relationship, the deeper we got to know our core wounds. It uh, the relationship, the the love, the passion, the connection just grew so much stronger because we're able to see each other very clearly. Um, 
yeah exactly those we put up walls and and when we put up walls to prevent ourselves from heat being hurt we're also preventing preventing the love from flowing through mm -hmm. those those walls are gonna block everything out and um as we've gotten more vulnerable with each other as we've gotten to know each other on a much deeper level to understand those core wounds those insecurities it's helpful with the you know it's it's helpful to know that and you know, what better way to live than to be able to come home and pour my heart out to my partner and have him hold me while I'm going through something difficult than to just suffer silently about it. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, because of the, the way my traumas were very deeply connected to my mom, it was hard for me to be vulnerable. Um, you know, that your relationship with your mother is very intimate and, um, it was hard for me to really open up. So I kind of had this, a persona that I created and that persona was what I allowed Vanessa to interact with or any of my relationships to interact with. Um, and I think to a large degree, I didn't even remember who my, no, I mean, I definitely didn't remember who my true self was. I had forgotten. I was so buried underneath all of those defense mechanisms that I didn't even remember who I was anymore. And there were be, there were times I think, or there are times that I realize now that I'll say something, I'll tell a story about my past and realize, oh, that's not actually true at all. That story was a fabrication, <laughs> but I believe it to be true. And how many of us are walking around like that, repeating stories to ourselves, most importantly, yeah. that aren't even true, right? The story that my mom didn't love me. You know, I'll, I can go into it a little bit. I'll just do it quickly because it's such, it, I think probably a lot of people experience things like this. My mom was a very devoted mother. She was obsessed. My dad tells me she was obsessed with us. And, you know, at, from a young age when I don't really have a lot of memories, but there was a, a time, I guess. And now that I have a, a child, I can understand this. There was a time that, that she went through this period where she was like, going to the gym a lot and she was going out with her friends. And I think she just needed some me time. She was always around the kids and she needed to be around other adults. And now I can understand that when I'm nine or 10 years old, I didn't get it. I thought, Oh, she doesn't want to be around us. She wants to go out and, you know, go to the gym or party or whatever. So I didn't get that. That was really what self care for her. So in my 10 year old brain, I interpreted that, Oh, she doesn't love me or she doesn't love me as much or she's or I'm a burden to her. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it felt that like having kids was a burden to her. Um then she became a born again Christian and she became so overprotective. She swung the other opposite direction that I rebelled against it, rejected it. It was like, "Oh, you didn't care. Now all of a sudden you found Jesus and now now you <laughs> want to micromanage every decision." Now by this time, I'm like a teenager, so the rebellion's already starting to to kick in. Anyway, that's kind of like the basis of that story. So it was very difficult for me to, um, so that rebellion, I guess, created that new persona. I think that's really probably where it, yeah. where it came in. And I'm almost kind of realizing this as we're having this, <laughs> this discussion, some of it. Um, and some of those walls were so thick and so strong. And I had been practicing and repeating those stories so often for so long that they became my truth. And it really, for me, it took psychedelics to break those down. It took mushrooms and ayahuasca 
to really like help me penetrate through. And that's not to say that you can't do it without plant medicine. You absolutely can. I think it's probably a lot harder um, and would take a lot longer. And a lot of the heavy lifting um, can be done by the plant medicine for certain people, if it's something you're comfortable with. Um, for me, I I used to be really anti-plant medicine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it depends on how strong um, the stories are in your in your head. You know, when you start creating these stories, you start believing them, and then it's almost like it becomes a separate reality that you've just accepted. You know, how many of us go through life following these... Um, I don't know, these beliefs or, or living out these stories that other people have told us. Um, there's a really great book um, by Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, it's called The Four Agreements. And it basically goes into, um, it goes into how we live our lives with these agreements that we never made. These are just things that people taught us that told us to be true and we just accept it as truth. Um, and sometimes it's, it's hard to break through that it, depending on the programming, depending on the way you were raised on your personality, it just can become so difficult to break through all of these agreements that are not your true self. I mean, sometimes it's in very subtle things, subtle, like, uh, very it's little things that nobody ever realizes. There's a story and I feel like I, I'm sure it's been told in, in many different cultures, but uh, there's a story that there's a family that um, makes a turkey every year or something. I don't remember if it's a turkey or ham. I don't know. And they chop off a particular part of it. And the family just has always done it this way. And then out of the blue, somebody asks, like, why do we do that? Why do we chop off the, the end? Like, and, you know, everybody's like, well, that's how my mom did it. And that's how my mom did it. And they go back to the root of where this started. And it turns out it was because back then the mom, the grandmother, the great grandmother, whoever it was, her oven was too small. So she had to cut off a piece of whatever it is she was cooking for it to fit in the oven. And the family has continued it for generations and has absolutely no idea why, why they were doing that. Nobody asks the questions. Exactly. And it's, it's so funny that we, we do this. It, that's just a tiny example. I mean, if anybody has kids or even if you don't have kids and if you've watched the movie Coco, there's so much generational trauma that we carry that we don't know why we just accept it to be true. Mm -hmm. And we continue those same patterns. I mean, it takes a lot of the, a lot of our personal responsibility is looking at why we do the things that we do. Why do I respond this way to criticism? Why do I respond this way to a particular responsibility that I don't want? you know, to, to do. Um, and, and sometimes it, it takes talking to your parents. I mean, this, this past year I've had deep conversations with my parents and asked them about things that, you know, had them share their stories about what it was like growing up, what their parents were like, what their experiences were like. My parents are both immigrants. And so their experience is obviously completely different from my experience. My experience is completely different from Danny's experience. And so we all have different defense mechanisms based on what we've experienced. And once we start looking at that, it kind of gives us more insight into what is really our true self or what is something that we've just created as a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Veronica, for sharing that. And, you know, that 
adds another layer, which we kind of talked about a little bit, um, is the societal pressures, right? I mean, not only do we have the pressures that we put on ourselves, but then you've got societal pressures where it makes it hard to be vulnerable. So congratulations to you. And, you know, I'm so thankful that you were able to, you, you feel like your true self had to force her way out, but you got there and <laughs> congratulations. We're happy that you found that freedom now. Sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes uh, the, the, the situation, the story that we're living out is so fake or so not healthy for us that it has to break. And we look at those things as tragedies, right? Oh, I have this tragedy and this doesn't work and it's not fair. And sometimes it's just that it wasn't working and mm -hmm. it needs to break so that you can rebuild it in a way that's more authentic. And yes, yeah, sometimes it is hard to feel those feelings. It's so difficult to allow yourselves to have the uh the pain right to feel the pain to feel the anxiety the frustration i don't like to sit with pain either that's a, <laughs> that's something that i've struggled a lot with um internalizing is sitting with that pain instead of just pushing it away so i can understand um you know veronica what you're saying about uh letting yourself feel those feelings. And that can that can happen in a both positive or negative way, right? There are sometimes you're gonna feel feelings that are positive, like about who you really are. But if society frowns on it or our parents frown on it, we, we'll feel guilty about feeling those things, feeling joy about certain things. So yeah, it's very difficult to give yourself permission to feel what you feel. But your feelings are, we, we believe that your feelings are your guidance system. So when you feel something negative, you have to figure it out. What is your guidance system trying to tell you? What's the negative feeling? Is it because you're not living your, most likely it's because you're not living your true- Authentic self. Authentic self, yeah. So absolutely, thank you for that. There you go, welcome and release. <laughs> Brianna's got a lot of wisdom, thank you. Thank you for sharing, absolutely. And it's only when you actually face and sit with the feelings, right, that you really can release them. Otherwise, you're just suppressing them. And then they metastasize and come back later as something worse. Yeah, um, I think that's why. I remember we used to have, um, back when we used to have, like, insane issues constantly, there were situations where you would say, I don't even know why I said that. Or I don't even know why I did that. Like, I doesn't. I, I, it doesn't register why I said the things that I said. And it's because our defense mechanisms are running so wildly and freely that they just respond for us without us actually consciously thinking them. It's just boom, somebody says something and it triggers you and the response is out, your, out of your mouth before you even think about it. And I think um, part of our responsibility, if we wanna have healthy relationships, not just with others, but with ourselves, is to sit with those feelings. Why did this trigger me? Why did this upset me? What is it triggering? And then we can let it go. And that way our defense mechanisms, our egos aren't in control then at that point we can work with it. We can, uh, there's nothing wrong with your ego or your defense mechanisms in the sense that, um, or your feelings really, there's nothing wrong with those negative feelings. If you feel hurt, if you feel insecure, frustrated, it's just letting you know of something. It's pointing it out and saying, there's something here that needs to be healed. Let's look at that. And 
part of our responsibility, I think, is to look at that and not just, um, you know, as I was saying before, as anarchists, we kind of have that mentality when it comes to the rest of the world, right? And and even in, in weird ways, I think we miss it, right? When we're upset at something that the government does, what is it really, what's the real fear, right? When we're afraid of what the government's doing to us, what's the real fear of that? Am I afraid that I'm losing my sovereignty? Am I, am I afraid that I'm not going to be taken care of? Am I afraid that I'm not going to be able to do certain things? I don't want to be told what to do. <laughs> Let's look at the real feelings there. And then we can work through that. And then we don't have to come from a place of fear. We can then respond with a more clear mind and perhaps more tangible solutions. Yeah. I. This is a... An exhausting topic, man. I, I feel like <laughs> that took a lot out of me. <laughs> Just thinking about all those things, all those emotions uh, with my mom and what Veronica's going through and just like really putting myself in that position. That's hard. Life is hard, guys. <laughs> and it's okay to feel like life is hard. You're not a failure because life is hard, right? I think a lot of us feel that way sometimes. Like, oh, if I don't have it all together, if I don't think life is easy and if I'm not happy, then I'm failing. I don't think that's the case. I think life is hard and we're supposed to have bad feelings and good feelings and it's okay. And I think if you're not happy, it doesn't mean that you're failing, but it just means that your your true self, your authentic self is trying to tell you something, something about what you're doing, the way you're living is not in your best interest and and you just have to figure it out and and move on and be forgiving that's hard for me <laughs> forgiving myself especially coming from a born-again christian household growing up there's a lot of guilt you know i think a lot of christians and probably a lot of religious people or people that came from religious households can identify with that um i know brianna and um and veronica were both mentioning that coming from kind of co very conservative um, backgrounds. Um, there's a lot of guilt. And so I've had a hard time forgiving myself. Like I, sometimes I have my mom's voice in my head, like judging me. Um, and you know, she's, my mom has passed on. She's not here anymore. So she's no longer in that judgmental ego that she was when she was on earth. So I don't have to worry about like, Oh, is my mother watching from heaven and like disapproving <laughs> of what I'm doing? You know, like I've literally had that feeling before, almost like I know God's not judging me because God is love, but I'm worried about my mother in heaven judging me, <laughs> right? It sounds silly, but that's a real thing that I've lived with for many, many years. Yeah. And it's only the last like couple of years that I've really been able to, to deal with that. And kind it of- It took a lot of work to get to that place where you could finally release that um, idea that, that you were still holding on about her, that she would be judging you. And I think that that's liberating, right? That's part of the work. Yeah. Imagine going through your whole life worried that somebody in heaven is out <laughs> there judging you. That's exhausting. It's very exhausting. And it carries on then to all other areas of your life because then at that point, there would be times that I would say something where it wasn't judgmental, it was just a comment or like, hey, maybe we, maybe you can try doing it this way. And then Danny would respond with, you're judging me. You're, com I'm, I'm always doing it wrong. You're, you're, <laughs> you're judging the way that I'm doing it. You're saying my way is wrong. And I'm like, no, I'm just offering perhaps an easier way or a, an alternative solution. And I, that's not to say that your way is wrong, but this might be a little bit easier. 
And I, I want to clarify that I'm not um, criticizing born again Christian or born again Christianity, I should say. Um, but as all of us know, there are people that exist in that space that can tend to be judgmental. I think it's a problem in the church in general. Um, it has been a problem in my life. I have been a very judgmental person. I still am, but I'm working on it. I, I don't know that I would call myself a born again Christian anymore, but I am definitely a follower of Christ. I definitely believe in the message and philosophy of Christ. Um, and I have a relationship with the spirit of Christ. So um, I don't want anybody to take that as a, as a criticism of Christianity. Um, it's really more of the lack of practice of Christianity, specifically non-judgment, which is something that Christ, you know, was very um, clear about, <laughs> about us judging other people. And, and I, I think it's not just um, Christianity. I think so yes. many of us have that tendency to look at the outside world and want to fix the outside world before looking at what's going on inside. And, you know, it kind of goes back to saying if we don't fix ourselves internally, we can't expect the outside world to conform to our needs so that we can be happy. No, the outside world is not responsible for our happiness. We are responsible for our happiness. Either we're going to resist everything that's happening to us or we're going to flow with it and see where it takes us. Um, you know, we when we have these attachments to the particular outcome that we want, we limit ourselves. <laughs> We limit ourselves to a particular um, a particular outcome, and when we just go with the flow, the the opportunities are limitless. You know, there's so much that can happen outside of the scope of what we have decided we want. And I think that's really ultimately what Christ's message was. It's just all about letting love flow through you. If all of our souls are our connection to God, which is love, and where what we're talking about here is defense mechanisms and like ego creations that we're where we think we're protecting ourselves or our ego believes it's protecting us and so it puts up the walls and that disrupts the flow of love between each other so we both have this flow coming in and if we're putting up walls then it can't flow between us and it's just not it's not only in romantic relationships it's through the whole community. Yeah. Well, I think because we have this misconception that there's a finite amount of love. And so if, if I give all my love to you and you don't receive it well, you have a negative reaction or you're going through something and you can't accept it, then I've just lost that love. You know, like, oh my mm -hmm. God, I just wasted that love. And love is never wasted because it's infinite. So I think that is the exact kind of, um, base of why many people feel they need to withhold love from people who hurt them or trigger them because, oh, I'm wasting my love on that person. Yeah. But like you said, love is infinite. More will flow through you. So don't, so if you bless somebody with love and they don't reciprocate it or, you know, and the truth is if they're, if someone is not reciprocating unconditional love back to you, it's because they're hurt and they haven't received the healing that you've, you've received yet. So we can look at them with mercy and grace and say, okay, these people have still not healed. You know, people that would judge us or withhold love from us because they don't feel that we're worthy. It's really because they're, they don't feel worthy themselves and they're in pain and they have not forgiven themselves or released themselves from that pain and allowed flow, love to flow through them to us. So I think if we keep that perspective, 
Um, and again, that was that was really the <laughs> the essence of Christ's message. Um, then we can. This is turning into church. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. we can then we can really let love flow through, and that that love not only heals them when we let it flow through to them. You're, you're blessing them, but it's also healing you. When that love flows through you, it, you're being your authentic self, and that heals you. And so it benefits everybody. It's a win-win situation. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Nice job. <laughs> nice job, guys. You guys are awesome. Everybody, yeah. I wish I could give everybody. <laughs> high fives all around. Church high five. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean – Ultimately, when it comes down to personal responsibility and what it is that we're all, um, oh, <laughs> yeah, I think all all um, schools of thought, all religions, all spiritual beliefs ultimately stem from love. Yeah. Um, some, you know, I guess ultimately it depends on each person and how we interpret it, if we're interpreting it, interpreting it from a place of love or we're doing it from a place of ego, a fear of, I don't know, of, of pain. Yeah. And ultimately that's, that's where it all kind of gets messed up sometimes. But I mean, I, like we said, ultimately our personal responsibility stems like, what are we doing? What am I doing? I can't fix everybody else. I can't fix you. I can't fix, you know, I can't fix our child. I can't fix my parents. I can only love them. That's the only thing I can do. And um, when you're in that place of love, then it, it really the whole world can fall apart and I'd be absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we, I've done, we, we both actually have done a lot of research about, um, the esoteric versions of a lot of religions, including paganism and, um, even Gaia worship and those types of things. And the, they really all, I believe they really all came from us from the very, the same core set of beliefs and really just, they got filtered through different cultural lenses and, emerged looking like different religions, but really they are all the same. Um, I think it's just like, and they all have value to bring to the table. Yeah. I think it's all like different languages almost yeah. like everybody learns in a different way. Everybody understands um, or resonates with different teachings, yeah. but the core of it is all the same. And I think that's beautiful. I think that we're all out there. Um, I think Brianna said it earlier, like we all have pieces of the puzzle and Ultimately, when we come together, when we when we start connecting with people who have different views, we start getting bigger pieces of the picture mm -hmm. instead of just limiting ourselves to, oh, this is the way I see it. And I'm not going to be open to anybody else's opinion. Um, so. So I think the I guess the core takeaway from this whole thing is that the number one personal responsibility in a relationship is to let love flow through you. Yes. <laughs> Be your authentic self and let love flow through you. And to quote, quote Christ again, love, um, love, uh, I don't remember the exact quote, love <laughs> covers all sins, basically. If you're, if you're acting in love, you won't sin. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think this is an appropriate moment to share um, something actually I shared on Facebook this morning was that I was shown in a vision um, 
Christ showed me that sin really is just born of pain. And it's when we're in pain, we can make the wrong choice sometimes. And we choose not to, um, as we've been talking about, not to respond with love, but to respond out of ego. And that's where sin comes from. That's really the essence of what it is. Um, so there's a lot of things that are misinterpreted as sins, you know, like where they, they kind of turn these things into moral things, but really it's just whenever you respond in, in ego, when you, whenever you respond, not in love, that's sin. And all you have to do is change to love, Snap it back. To change love. your response to love and that's it. It's all forgiven. So. Yeah. And I think when it comes to working in a relationship, um, if our goal is to be in alignment with love, to be in a space of love uh, at as much as possible, as often as possible, we're automatically going to do the work. Why do I not feel like I'm in a space of love right now? What is lacking? And that creates the opportunity for us to be vulnerable with each other and say, I have this need right now. I would like your help getting this need met. I would like to know if that's within your... Um, I don't know if you're willing to do this, if if I'm tired, if I don't want to cook today and say, hey, I'm just really tired. I don't have the energy to cook today. Can we just order food? And, you know, we can work together as a couple instead of trying to keep it quiet or suppress those feelings. It really is just a matter of being authentic with our with ourselves and with each other. And that will automatically allow the love to flow through. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, it's funny that sometimes we don't know what we're going to talk about. Maybe we decide the day before or the morning of. <laughs> and these conversations just really flow. It's good. It's good stuff. I think that's when the medicine is really, really comes through is like when we're just flowing with a conversation and playing off what the audience is saying. I think these are the best episodes rather than when we have like a an outline. An outline. <laughs> yeah, where we're like, all right, we gotta discuss this, this and that. I have this clip to play. No, I mean I, I think because we've they also come from a place of love, right? Where the intention of this uh, live stream or love stream is to share the love, to open it up for others, uh, to be vulnerable. And when we do that, it does tend to flow. Um, we get great responses. Um, other people are willing to be vulnerable. And I think that that's beautiful. I think anytime that you come to a conversation with vulnerability, it's always automatically going to flow. And that's happened with us through our relationship with each other, uh, our relationships with our friends, our families. And it's one of the most, um, I don't know, it's, it's amazing. It, it, is a liberating thing. It's mm -hmm. so liberating to be able to get to a place of authenticity and vulnerability. It's much more peaceful and more joyful. Uh, Alvin's asking, he, he, Alvin wants to share this with others and he's asking where uh, sovereignlovestream.com uh, will take you right to the archive where you can see all the episodes you can, and we have it organized by topic. So you can just pick and choose or watch them all, binge watch them. <laughs> if you can deal with hearing us that for that long. 
and leave us comments. Let us know yes. what you guys want to hear about, yeah. what you guys want to talk about. We're always looking for topics. If you um, want to be a guest and yeah. share your story, Veronica, if you want to come on and talk about your story, we would love to have you. Um, or anybody, Brianna, or anybody who has a story to tell, get in touch with us on social media and we can have you on and have a great discussion. Yeah, um, we do want, definitely want to ha start having more guests and not just, you know, celebrity gurus or whatever, but, you know, just regular people who have a similar story to, or, or a different take that they would like to share. Please get in touch with us. Let us know. And um, again, you can get find us at SovereignLoveStream.com. And um, yeah, if you guys have topics or questions or I don't know, something that you're going through and you're looking for a solution, an option, I don't know, help, we can, I mean, this is, this is the point to have a community where we talk about these things, where we share our experiences, our troubles. Um, you know, um, one of my friends was telling me, she was like, I want to hear when I tell her about like our arguments, she's like, this is for the love stream. You guys need to have this on the love stream. And yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like lately we, we have been sharing our experiences, some of the arguments that we have, some of the struggles that we are going through. Like I said, we're absolutely not perfect. Um, we were having a personal responsibility conversation. I think just this week, I, um, for many, many years, I was struggling with so many health issues and I was always a victim of my health issues. And Danny used to say many years ago in the very beginning, he would be like, oh, you've made that your story. <laughs> That's your story. That was something and I learned from Tony Robbins. <laughs> and I'm not that wise. Unfortunately, it was also delivered in a very unempathetic way. Definitely. So it would it would cause me to reject that. And I'd be like, what do you mean it's my story? I literally have these health issues. <laughs> I'm not making them up. And over the years, I've kind of fully understood what it means. I am not, I'm not a victim to my health issues. I mean, these are things that have happened to me for a reason. As I've, um, yes, SovereignLoveStream.com. And as I've uh, worked through um, my personal issues, my insecurities, my uh, my fears, I've been able to come to understand what some of these health issues were. I mean, they were pushing me to look at certain areas of my life that I hadn't been looking at, that I had been ignoring. I was on cruise control in some in some areas, and so some of these health issues have um, have created this this love stream in some way i mm -hmm. mean we've gone through so many things um as a result of those health issues and you know there are still days just last week i was complaining i was like crying i was like i'm sick of this i'm so tired of it and danny was like the healing's there you just have to get to that point and i'm like oh my god he's right <laughs> I, I'm, I'm back in victim mode. I'm making myself a victim of these issues and I have control of it. I don't have to be the victim of it. And, you know, this is what we mean, that it's a work in progress. It's never like a boom, we fixed it and that's it. It's over. Sometimes it comes back in waves. We repeat those patterns and it's okay. It's okay to do that. We're still learning. We're still trying to figure it out. So like Danny said earlier, don't be hard on yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is our responsibility to look at the stuff that we're victims of and figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. It's been a great conversation. Um, I do want to just kind of um, give us a plug for our social media 
sovereign um, sovereignloveshine.com but you can also follow us on different social media platforms so right now i'm really promoting minds.com and the float app both of these are um privacy centric they do not sell your information they do not spy on you um, they do not allow government to spy on you. Um, and they also do not censor. They're censorship-free platforms. And right now, with everything going on, and government and um, the big social media companies openly working with government and saying they're going to censor certain information and take down certain videos of certain doctors who disagree with what the White House doctors say or the World Health Organization, we don't believe in censorship. We believe everybody should have free access to information and make your own decisions. So that's why we promote these two apps because they both are censorship free and privacy centric. But of course we are also on all the main um, social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Please subscribe to us uh, on these channels and feel free to leave comments about show topics you'd like to see us cover or if you want to be on the show as we said please do not hesitate we want to hear all stories you don't have to be somebody special you don't have to be a guru or a celebritarian or anything like that you don't need to have a title because ultimately everybody's special <laughs> we are, yeah, absolutely we all have voices that that deserve to be heard so you know we are definitely willing to share this platform and and share other people's stories too so Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We love you. Yes. See you next week, See hopefully. See you next week. Thank you for joining us and have a great Sunday. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Love Stream podcast. Please subscribe now and join us bi-weekly on Sundays at SovereignLoveStream.com for our live video broadcast. Please check out our social media on censorship-free platforms like Minds.com, Float.app, and Odyssey.com. Find links to all of our social media at SovereignLoveStream.com. If you would like to support our show with an energy exchange, visit us at Patreon.com slash SovereignLoveStream. Thank you for listening.